The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is our monthly coaching call. For all of our listeners, this is Frank Congelos, your host, and our guest today is Dave Suki, Vice President over at CNA Financial Group. Dave, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks, Frank. Always great to be with you. So, Dave, we are in September, football season. You know, we still got this great weather, so it's great, great soccer, time. Soccer, soccer season. Yep. You know, especially you, you know, kids <laughs> in school in uh, sports at this point. But also, September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. So what I'd like to do for our show today and for our listeners is really spend a little time talking a little bit about insurance, uh, some of the issues. And when I look at insurance and we have this topic each year, you know, to me it really comes down to three things. It comes down to purpose, what's the purpose for the insurance. Then it comes down to the next important thing, which is what amount should you be considering. And then the type of insurance. So why don't we perhaps within that context, Dave, you know, just share some insight and, you know, for all of our listeners as to, you know, what our thoughts are as it relates to purpose and so forth, as it relates to insurance, and we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, sure, Frank. It, you know, it's a topic that we get asked about a lot, and yet one that a lot of people don't take a whole heck of a lot of action on sometimes. They're paralyzed at what to do, right? I think the tendency is we don't like to think in terms of our yeah. own mortality and you know, part of us is we think in terms of, you know, we'll be here for a long time, and if anything's going to happen, it's going to be the other guy, not us. And, you know, the reality is none of us know. Yep. And that, yep. that becomes a part of the challenge. Yep. And it, it's, you know, in the years of doing this, Frank, it, it's one of the more illogical purchases you can make. Right? And when you think about it, I mean, if we, anything we need in life, we typically can go get. Right? If we need bread or milk, we can go get it. Right. If you need a car, you can go get it. If you need a piece of technology, they'll sell it to you any, any day of the week, right? Yet life insurance is one of those things that when you need it, you usually can't get it. And it, it's interesting because we've had enough experience in business to see that. So we're, we're talking to the audience about awareness. You're typically talking about this when you don't need it, and yet you have to make a decision around what what would you like in place if you did need it? It's a, it's a great insight when you just said that because when you were just talking about you know not needing it and so forth, and I've been doing this now for a while, and I always remember is you know some of my friends and clients over the years, you know when I get that call and you know the call is hey Frank I was thinking of getting more insurance and you know normally it could be an event in their life but sometimes I've gotten that call when all of a sudden they found out that they had a medical issue, mm-hmm. you know such as you know they were just diagnosed with something that's going on and next thing you know. Their thing in terms of I want to get more is like oh too late now now I can't get it yep. you know, and then, you know it's you got to get it when you don't need it so that you have it when you need it is you know, the thing that you know we say uh, absolutely and then in the decision making process there there's there's three things we talk about there's three things that, that we should all be aware of one is the you know the purpose of the of the insurance okay the second is the amount and then the third is the type. And so if we spend a little time on the purpose, you know, I always look at it as life insurance is there to replace something. It's either replacing, I think of it in terms of income or an asset. Yep. And, you know, I have a friend of mine, and, uh, Tim, you know, our friend down in Charlotte. His name is Tim. Yep. And Tim was like, you know, when people say that they don't need insurance, he says, just change the word to money. And if they can say that clearly, then they probably really don't need it, which is if you could say, well, I don't need any money. Okay, well, then perhaps you don't need any insurance because all that life insurance mm-hmm. is is money delivered 
in the future at a particular time, okay, in that time or an event, which is the loss of, of a life, and now we have money that's coming due. And that money comes due, I always say, for one or two reasons. It's either there to replace income yep. or it's there to replace assets. Yep. And so when we think in those terms, that's one of the primary purposes. But they maybe just spend a little bit on, on the income side because people think, well, you know, I've, I've got one times my income or three times my income at work. Do I really need it? Yeah. And, and or need any more? Frank, we live our lives around our cash flow. And our families, if we're no longer here, Dave Sookie's no longer here. The, the Sookie family's going to live their lives still around cash flow, whether I'm here or if I'm not here. So if I'm not here to provide that cash flow that they're accustomed to or used to in terms of just what their daily needs and, and even wants are, okay, how do we figure out how to replace that? Well, it's really about that capital, as you said before, the amount of money needed so that if I was still here for my working years for the next 20, 25 years, how much money would my family need in cash flow each year? Right. And it's not even a matter of you know, need because you know, they can get by. Yep. But you know, we refer to it as economic value, which is you know, the same way if my – God forbid my house, something happened to burn to the ground. You know, I can get away with you know, basically a bedroom, kitchen, and a yep. bathroom. Yep. But the reality is I do like all those other rooms that I had in the first place. Yep. So it's what do we really want, and if something were to happen to someone, we want to replace their economic value, which is the value of those lost wages that are no longer coming in. Yep. And in the case of if it happened to, let's say, someone my age, Frank, you know, based on the amount of income I'm making, okay, it's a multiple. So if you're in your 40s, I'm in my early 40s, right, 41, okay, an insurance company will let me know, hey, up to really almost 20 times my income, I could access in capital for my family. Now, that number for a lot of people might sound like a lot. Yep. But to relate it as an example, so if somebody was making $100,000 a year, in order to replace $100,000 a year of income, the amount of capital that somebody would need would be 20 times that. Or roughly if I took $2 million yep. and I was able to invest that at, say, 4 to 5%, that two million at four to five percent generates that same hundred thousand dollars that I had in lost wages. Now it also doesn't take into account inflation, all the you know uh, other capital eroding factors that kick in. Because some people say, well, you don't need that much. It's like, yeah, but I'm also not calculating in all the other life events, technological change, planned obsolescence, sure. all the other things that go sure. along with it. But that number of fifteen to twenty times income is a key number. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. Absolutely, and. Um, and another factor in this is, you know, um, when my kids, like, like just use my example, in 10 years or 12 years when they start college, those are expenses that have risen through the years that has to come off of maybe the lump sum of that capital. You got it. So if my wife's striking a check for 200000 for my oldest to go to school and she had $2 bucks, well, she's only left with a million eight, And then the income off of that at 4 to 5% is less than she had before my daughter went to college. And Dave, I don't so, want to ruin your day, but you have three, so I just want to uh, point oh, out that you'll have more than 200 yeah, times three. Times just, three. Just, yep. just as a little so, um, point of reference. But, but you're absolutely correct. So those things have to be factored in, all right, because, again, they're doing this, and now they're doing it without someone in, you know, in their lives that's been very important all throughout their lives. So. so to summarize the first aspect of that, so the first purpose would be we want to replace income. Okay. And then in tying in the amount of that income should be full replacement value should be ideal. That would be the goal. The only reason why someone may stray from that 
is if there was an associated cost, which is the cost was prohibitive. But we'll get into that in a little bit, which is, you know, assuming there was no cost, I, want, I would want full replacement value, same as anybody else. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about, so Dave, you've got, I've got you by a few years. I'm in my mid-50s, mm-hmm. okay, and I've got grown children. I now have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of part two of this, and part two is, is that I look down the road and at some point I may want to not work as hard, okay, so I didn't t- say the word retire, but I might not want to work as hard. And the day comes that I don't want to work as hard, I might decide to, I want to enjoy and spend my assets. But at the same point, I want my life's work to go to the benefit of my children and my grandchildren. So I think in terms of insurance at this point in, point in my life that I don't want it to end. I want to leave them the insurance so that I can actually go out and spend and fully utilize my assets to give me a better quality of life during retirement. So I refer to that as asset replacement yeah. insurance, which is replacing assets from my kid for the benefit of my kids and my grandchildren because I would like to help them out. I would like to do something nice for them. Do you see it differently? Uh, what are your thoughts? The, the presence of it when we're older, right? See it in our clients' lives, and, and as you're, you just articulated well, which is you're protecting all those dollars you saved, all right, and you're protecting them with dollars that will be paid to your family in the future, and that gives you the ability to spend more freely, or we call it a permission slip, right, Frank? So, so if a client could visualize this, you know, if you had a million dollars saved in your IRA, 401k, and you know, um, retirement plans, and you had a million dollars of insurance, that million dollars saved, you could freely spend over the course of your retirement years, and really have a much higher income than it had you needed to save that and only live off a portion of it. And, and when you think through how logical that is, what happens is in today's environment, let's say that you were fortunate and you can get 3 or 4% conservatively mm-hmm. on a portfolio. And I know a lot of people listen who are you know, thinking about retiring someday right. and go 3 to 4%. percent i would be happy to get that. But if your interest rate, which is you know could be any amount you because know, it's not guaranteed, it can fluctuate, et cetera. That was for compliance purposes. But it, your interest rate could be any amount. But if I can get my interest of whatever that is, 3 or 4%, and then I also had the ability to actually utilize my principal as well over my lifetime. So as an example, if I retired at 65 and I was just taking out 3% of my principal per year until I was 100 years old or whatever the case might be, that 3% of principal plus the interest actually gives me substantially more cash flow during retirement. And I could do that freely, as you just said, with mm-hmm. a permission slip, with the understanding that the insurance actually gives me the freedom to do it and to enjoy the benefit of doing that. So you know, it's kind of like you can have your cake and eat it too if you do your planning correctly. That's correct. So that being the case, you know, when we think in terms of it and just kind of summarizing for our listeners, you know, purposes, you know, and just summarizing, replacement of income or replacement of assets – and then we talked about amounts. Dave, you were pointing out at this point in your life, and for you know our younger people, we're talking about income replacement, mm-hmm. 15, 20 times or whatever that number is. And for those of us you know, who are you know, maybe getting to that 45, 50 and older, and we think in terms of asset replacement in order to give us a high, higher quality of life, higher cash flow with the ability to have the freedom to replace the assets, that's how the purpose and the type come together or the amounts come together. And then it really comes down to really there's one of two types, and then there's all different variations. Right. So, Dave, maybe you take the first type, which is, you know. Well, the, the, 
the one that we we hear a lot about, Frank, and uh, is term term insurance, right? So term life insurance is designed to have a starting period, and then it has a period of time, a term in which it runs for. So let's say it was level. It can be five years, 10, 15, 20. They can off, companies will offer out now 30 years level term, okay, where you'll buy it on day one, and if you pay the premiums, it'll last for as long as that period of term is. And then at the, the, once that term is up, you have a chance to go back and ask to get renew it, or you, ultimately what typically happens with term is that you wind up not renewing it. So and just staying with that, so um, for our listeners, you know, the way I kind of look at term insurance and sharing this and just elaborating on what Dave said is is that, uh, one, it, it is the most amount of coverage for the least amount of dollars in the short run. The catch is, is that, you know, it's like, you know, I always say is at some point it's going to fall off the table. Mm-hmm. So it'll accomplish what we want, which is to give you the right amount, which is important. So we've got to get the right amount. Um, and it'll do it very cost efficiently. However, if all of my insurance is term insurance, I don't have permanent insurance or any portion thereof later on to have that wealth replacement or asset replacement. It may hinder the flexibility and my thought process around how I want to retire and fully utilize my mm-hmm. assets. Mm-hmm. So my thought is is that when I hear term insurance, I think, wow, it'll do the job in the short run, but long term, it, it's probably not the solution. Absolutely. So, Dave, you know, why don't we just chat about the second solution, which is some form of permanent insurance. Right. So permanent insurance, Frank, as the word permanent states in the title, it, ha- it has a, a same thing, a starting date. But what happens inside of a permanent insurance policy is you're going to own it or have the possibility of owning it for the rest of your life. Okay. And I say the possibility because it depends on the different variations that are offered. But for this conversation, let's say, it, you know, the, the, we keep it simple. So – it, it works as similar to something that you buy, Frank. You will eventually own it over time. It builds a cash value that will um, will be yours, and then you'll also have a death benefit that will be paid one day sometime in the future. So what I'm really looking for when I think in, ter- of, think in terms of permanent insurance is I want a level guaranteed payment. Mm-hmm. I don't want it where the payment's going to go up because there are some coverages that claim to be permanent, but – they're based upon certain assumptions that have to happen, and if the assumptions don't happen, such as interest rate risk, market risk, or uh, mortality risk, if that's not favorable, they could come back later on and ask for additional premiums later in life when I'm not necessarily in a position to go and shop around or make a better decision. So what we're saying is the premium should be guaranteed, the death benefit should be guaranteed, mm-hmm. and then you had mentioned something interesting, which is there's – Typically, but not always, some form of cash value associated with these, which is there's an equity reserve associated with it that if someday I wanted to change my mind or whatever the case might be and get my money back or do something different with the policy, I have the ability to do that. That's it. So that's just giving our listeners a little insight on that. And then the last thing um, that we should probably mention is that there are some companies out there um, that when they have profits – Okay, in a company. And what happens is, you know, there's companies all over on the stock market. There's companies that are not stock market. And so there's what are called stock companies. And then there are mutual companies, which are where they're owned by the policyholders. And when companies have profits, okay, the profits then are shared with their shareholders in the form of a dividend. And so dividends aren't guaranteed. They can go up, they can go down, they're not guaranteed. But in a mutual company, 
if they do their insurance with a mutual company, the benefit of that, when the company makes profit, it comes back to the policyholders, and it offsets the cost of the insurance, or it allows them to accumulate those dividends and use them later in life. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm a stock company, those dividends are going to the stockholders, okay, not to the policyholders. But at any point, most companies have profits, or hopefully they have profits, right. and they share them with their stockholders. But that's also um, one of the things when people are thinking about insurance that they should consider, you know, which is do they have the ability or the opportunity to share in the dividends? Because I know with some companies, it could be substantial. It, it makes a big difference, Frank, when you look at it over a course of, we're talking again, 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years when you start to look at the performance of these things. So, Dave, when you just said this, I have to bring this up for all of our listeners. Is You'll notice that when Dave just said that, he didn't say a year or five mm -hmm. years or ten years. So this is a long-term promise that's being made, which is, you know, I'm buying a, a product, I'm buying something that I'm looking to be in place for 10 or 20 or 30 mm -hmm. or 40 years. And so what that would mean and that I would, you know, mention is, is that the financial stability of the company is also relevant because you want to be with them for a long time and you want to have a good company with a good reputation and good ratings and solid financial background. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very important in the decision. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This program is produced by the Institute of Responsible Wealth. And I'd like to get thank our guest today, Dave Suki, over at CNA Financial Group. Dave, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Frank. Great and to be this, with you. And this has been Frank Angelos, and we wish everybody a great month, a great week, and we look forward to being with you next month. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment in insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian.